on today's podcast from the North Walhalla Church of God, guest speaker Brad Richardson's message from Psalm 91 is the benefit of dwelling in God. Today's message is from Sunday evening, January 14, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Brad Richardson. Psalms 91, I'm going to read my scripture. I'll tell you about Forward Church and then I'll preach. Psalms 91, we're going to start in verse number one tonight. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say, hold on, I'll wait on you. All right, Psalms 91, starting in verse number one, it says this. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Going into a new year, you seek God about what you could bring to a church. But I believe the most important thing you could have in 2018 is the presence of God. So I'm going to preach to you tonight the benefit of dwelling in God. Will you, will you pray for me right now? God, I love you. I thank you. I worship you. God, I don't want anybody to hear me tonight. I want everybody to hear you because I'm just going to bring words. But if your anointing will rest on me tonight, then they're going to hear something fresh from the throne of God. God, I pray that you touch me. I pray that you use me, that you guide me. God, that everything that's said tonight, let it be you. I love you. I thank you and I praise you. In your name I pray. Everybody said... Amen. You could be seated. This was the very first church that when we started the Forward Church launch tour, I guess you would say, this was the first church that we got to come into. And we were kind of trying, honestly, trying to feel our way and how this was going to look, what were we going to do. But I'm telling you, five months in, we have absolutely seen the hand of God. Um, Close to 27 people have been saved in the services we've been in. Last Sunday, I was at the York Church of God. I was preaching about the love of Jesus that pursues you no matter where you are. A lady on the very back row of the church begins weeping. You know, in church, you see people weep. I give an altar call. The lady stands up and walks down to the front. I didn't know it at the time, but she was a practicing Muslim who that Sunday gave her heart to Jesus in the altars. And I said all that not to brag on us because we understand all the glory belongs to Jesus, but I said that to say that it was churches like you, when we really were trying to figure this thing out, you said we believe in you enough to invest in you. So I was honored. I couldn't wait to get back to the North Wahala Church of God because you stood with us when other people wouldn't. And we have seen miracles on top of miracles. We've been in church services and people walk up to us and say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I've got $6,000 in the savings account and God told me to give it to you. Uh, We have seen the absolute hand of God. But I got to be honest with you, church, there were nights I laid in bed, looked at the ceiling and said, why in the world did I leave the Calvary Church of God? Um, There's been times that I've thought, God, are you... We understand that God can do all and provide all, but if anybody transparent that can say, sometimes we look to heaven and say, God, what are you doing here? 
We would think buildings would be happening and then the door would close and it would look perfect and then the door would close and we thought it was working out and then the door would close again. But I'm happy to say that Friday at about 10 a.m., a guy called, we talked to him, we've been talking to a guy, he said, hey, I can only do it for this price. He called back on Friday. He said, not only am I gonna give you the building, I'm gonna give it to you for $500 less than what I originally was asking you for that building. Not only that, I'm gonna put you in a place that the lot beside you is open. It's my personal story storage unit. If you outgrow that lot, I'll clear my stuff out. You can knock a wall down and grow a little bit more. Oh, by the way, the, the unit beside that is open too. And if you outgrow that unit, we'll knock down that wall. You can grow that way. We have seen the hand of God everywhere that we have been. I said all that to say thank you. Thank you for standing with us. How can you help us? Listen, this is one of the most expensive, tiring adventures I've been on. Nothing is provided. You have to have sound systems. You have to have nursery equipment. You have to have sound for your children's church. You have to put up walls. You have to do all of these type of things to make it happen. So we'd love for you to partner with us. Here's what we ask. Can you do five bucks a week, $20 a month for one year? At the end of the year, you can go to forwardchurch.online slash give. You can sign up to be a partner for one year. At the end of the year, it'll stop. And hey, you partnered with us. We would love your one-time gifts as well, but we really want a partnership from people here. We need 125 partners from now until the end of the February 4th, I think it is, is our last journey. We'd love for you to partner with us. Forwardchurch.online slash give. You can give online. I think they're going to receive an offering a little bit later as well. But you can... Thank you. Thank you for being the church that you are. Your reputation is great in this state. People brag on you all over the place. Psalms 91, why would I dwell? Why would I want to dwell in God's presence? Why would I want to live in him? Why would I want to stay in him? Why would I want to be in him? What is the benefit of dwelling in God? Why would I want to stay there? Why would I want to live there? Why would I want to be there? Well, number one, I need you to understand that in the presence of God, there is an escape from temptation that follows you. That there is a place in God that your trouble cannot go with you. It is what scripture means when it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? That means that when you worship God, the presence of God literally makes residence in your worship. There is a place in your worship that you can go that your problem cannot go with you. It is why it is so important when the praise team and the choir singing, it will never lose its power for reaches to the highest mountain. And if you're not careful, even in this moment, when worship is sung, the atmosphere changes because there is power in worshiping a God who says, every time you worship me, I inhabit that worship. Church, there's nothing that you're facing. There's nothing that you're going through. There's no problem too big that the presence of God cannot help you with. There is power in your worship. Never be too tired to worship. Never have too much going on to worship. Because when you worship, God shows up. When I was, I started to say smaller, that would probably been a lie. When I was younger, um, in my house in Marion, Pastor, I had a tree house. And I would go back to the tree house and I would climb the limbs of the tree. And now if I'd done that, there'd be no limbs on the tree. But I would climb the limbs of the tree and I would get in the tree house. Mama didn't know where it was. Daddy didn't know where it was. Nobody knew where the tree house was but me. It was an escape. That's what your worship does for you. 
the secret place of the Most High God. It is when you begin to step back and worship a God in spite of how you feel. I believe there's nothing that confuses the enemy more. When he thinks he has you cornered, when he thinks that it's over, you should have given up. You should have threw in the towel. But somehow you lift your hand anyway and says, God, I will give you praise in the middle of every bit of this. It makes all of hell step back and say, wait a minute, we should have destroyed them. But there is power in your worship because you understand that your God has never let you down and he's never going to stop now. And you know that if you're not dead, God is not done and he's working this whole thing out for you because that's what the word of God says he does why would I dwell why would I dwell in God because he is an escape from temptation I was a youth pastor for 14 years seven years at the Calvary Church of God the greatest church I've ever been on staff at those people were incredible but I think one thing that I heard through 14 years more than anything else was students who would text me and say hey pastor if I could just beat this one sin I believe I'd be okay. And what I'm finding out from traveling on the road is adults, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we don't struggle with alcoholism, but we struggle with attitude. You should not have hit your husband or wife right there. That's not okay. Sometimes we don't struggle with pain pill addictions, but sometimes we struggle with not going out and sharing our faith. There is a place in worship that you can go that God puts his presence on you immediately. If you're struggling with an area of your life, my advice to you would be worship more than you've ever worshiped. He is an escape from temptation. Number two, he is direction. When you dwell in God, God will give you direction. Maybe you're deciding what college to attend. Maybe you're deciding if I should change careers. What should I do with my life right now? The word of God says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. There is power in worshiping God and asking him what direction should we go from here? He is an escape from temptation. He is direction. Number three, he is safety. You understand that there is a battle right now for your life, right? That the enemy, if he could, I shared this with Calvary this morning, the enemy, if he could, he would have destroyed you on the way to church tonight. He despises you. If he could have destroyed you and wiped you off the face of the planet, there's nothing that would have gave him more joy. But God has you covered. Why would I dwell in God? Because God is safety. I have an iPhone 10. It was a Christmas gift. I can't afford an iPhone 10, but my parents love me. If I drop this iPhone 10 off of this platform, my iPhone 10 will shatter into a million pieces because iPhones are made like eggs. And when you drop them, they break. So much so that if I said, hey, the first person on stage right now that snatches my phone, from, I'm not saying this, please don't. The first person that snatches my phone from me and breaks it, I will give $100 to. You would all line up in this church to take my money because it's not hard to break an iPhone. But if I took this iPhone and I put it in my notes and I said, the only way you can take my money is if you break my iPhone without touching or removing the covering that it's in it becomes impossible to break my phone. And it's that way in the spirit. While the enemy would have destroyed you and would have killed you, God has placed you inside a covering that is so strong when the enemy would have destroyed you, he has to step back and say, I can't cross a covering. That is the power of the blood that covers your life so strong that when the enemy would have killed you and destroyed you, he has to step back because the blood has been applied. There is safety placed 
on your life. The enemy is several things in scripture, hear me. Number one, he is a tempter. That means he will come to Pastor Russell and he will tempt Pastor Russell to sin. He will say, Pastor Russell, I just need you to talk about your pastor. Talk about your pastor, your pastor will never know. Pastor Russell will never do this, is why I'm picking on him. Your pastor will never know. No one's ever gonna find out. Just one time, talk about your pastor. He will tempt him to do that. And then when he falls into temptation, the enemy goes to another role. He becomes accuser. So he tempts Russell to talk about his pastor. And when he talks about his pastor, he says, you're nothing but a slanderer. One thing I've learned about the enemy is this. The enemy has a strange way of whispering things to your mind. Some people in this room struggle with alcohol and some people don't. Some people in this room struggle with depression and some people don't. But every single person in this room struggles with your mind. It's the thoughts of you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it. Why even go to church? They're not going to notice if you wasn't there anyway. Why go to work? They're not even noticing you're in the house. Why even care about your kids? Why even come to church? They're not going to miss you in youth group. You're never going to be good enough and you're never going to measure up. By the way, I come to tell you that you don't have to be good enough because Jesus was God enough. And the minute that he goes to a cross and takes your place, that makes you good enough because he was God enough that lives inside of you and there's power in the God that dwells inside of you. It is safety that lives inside of you. He becomes accuser. And here's the fact a lot of times, church. The accuser loves to whisper facts to you. Hey, the doctor gives you a bad report. Fact. But we must determine that we will believe the word of truth over the word of fact. Because the fact is the doctor gave you a bad report, but the truth is Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes were you're healed. The fact is somebody walked in this room feeling depressed, but the truth is that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Do we believe the voice of truth over the voice of fact? Will you believe, because here's the thing, while the enemy has the name of the accuser, Jesus has a name too, and his name is Redeemer. So everywhere the enemy has accused you of, God steps in and says, I am his Redeemer. So we believe the voice of truth over the voice of fact every time, because the Redeemer says we can be free. There is power in the voice of the Redeemer. There's this TV show that I like to watch, Pastor. And I'm embarrassed to tell people I like to watch this TV show. So I watch this TV show at 3 a.m. in my recliner with the blinds closed so my neighbor can't see it, eating Cheetos. <laughs> you may have thought I was a vegetarian when I walked in. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Like, I guarantee you nobody saw me walk to the platform or not and said, I bet he'd eat a lot of tofu. <laughs> nobody probably thought that in this room. But there's this TV show I love to watch, and I sit in my recliner because I'm embarrassed to tell people I like to watch this show. And i got to be real with you, and i got to be honest with you, I don't know what these people say on this show at all. There's something intriguing about the show to me. So the show goes something like this. Maybe you've seen it. Hey, boy, go down the other side up on over there and go on the other side, flip on the other side and shoot them. Shoot them down there on the other side. Shoot them, boy. Shoot them down there. Shoot them. I'm so intrigued by the show. Have you ever seen the show Swamp People before? 
don't lift your hand. That's really embarrassing. Don't tell anybody that you watch this show. And if you've never seen this show before, here's what they do. I've been practicing. Chris, tell me if I'm doing good. They have to go out and they hunt gators. And they get gators by any means necessary. How am I doing with the gators? Am I doing all right? I've been working on it. So one day, if you've never seen this show, Swamp People, they hunt gators. And anything they got to do to get the gators, they'll do. One time I saw him stick his bare hand in the water to catch the gator. One time I saw him stick his bare foot in the water to get the gator. There's a Spanish word for that. Crazy. (laughs) Well, one day, Troy was talking to his team. Troy was talking to his team and they were sitting around and all of his team were saying, hey, we don't need to go hunt gators today. Makes perfect sense to me. I can't think of a good day to hunt gators. And Troy says something to his team that changes my life forever. His team's going, the water's too murky. The weather's not conducive. They didn't say conducive, but you know. (laughs) Probably can't spell conducive, but it is what it is. And Troy says, hey, boy, if we don't go get them gators, them gators ain't going to get themselves. Changed my life forever. Because at 3 a.m. in a recliner, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, Brad, if we don't go get them sinners, them sinners ain't going to get themselves. What is the benefit of dwelling in God? The benefit of dwelling in God is you understand the necessity to go into the world. Because here's the fact, church, if we have good services, if we sing good and we preach good, but we don't go into the world good, then we have missed our purpose for being on this earth. If the choir sounds good and the youth program is awesome and the children's program is second to none, but we don't love well, then we have missed it. Corinthians says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, if I don't love, I am nothing but a clanging symbol. So here is my question, North Wahala. I know you minister well, but do you love well? When is the last time your, your waitress's soul has been just as important as the meal that you just ordered. Because if we dwell good, but we don't go good, we have missed it. And my concern, Great North Wahala Church, is that we have devised great church services, but not great going strategies. I hate to know that when I got to heaven, that I was more known for my choir special and my sermon than I was my going. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them with the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ironically, it's one of the very last things he says to his disciples. And if he said it last probably should be first to us. We were having a camp out at Calvary. We were all outside and there was probably 50 students there. And let me tell you the truth. I don't like outdoors, okay? If there was a way I could have got in this building without going outside, I would have done it. I believe one of the greatest inventions God ever had was air conditioner. Amen. Anybody with me on that? Anybody agree? Um, Well, it's cold outside, but you, you know what I mean. So my, my youth staff, some of them are here tonight. This was a terrible idea, guys. So my guy, youth staff, they come to me and they said, hey, pastor, 
the students want to have a camp out. And here's what we're going to do. We know you don't really like camp outs, so we're going to stay up all night with you. And at midnight, they all fell asleep on me. And I'm up trying to tend to a fire. And if you're waiting on me to tend to a fire, you're going to wake up cold. And I'm throwing wood on this fire, and I'm trying to keep the fire lit, and I kind of did a good job. Well, at 5 a.m., I decided, hey, there's something that I'm really good at that I can do. There's 50 boys here. There's 50 young men here. When they wake up, they're going to be hungry. So my gift and my anointing is I can go to Hardee's and get biscuits for everybody. So I walk into the Hardee's at 5 a.m. in Westminster. There's 50 kids outside. I said, hey, can I have 54 sauces biscuits? I'll let you figure out who the other four belong to. <laughs> Judge not, lest you shall be judged. <laughs> and the lady at the counter said, hey, pastor, have you been around a campfire? And I said, yeah, how do you know? She said, because you smell like the smoke. How crazy would it be if when you went back into your school on Tuesday, that the people that you used to sit with say, have you been in the presence of God? And you've got to say, yeah, how do you know? Because you flow different, you talk different, you act different, you move different. If we're going to change Oconee County, if we're going to change Wahala, if we're going to change South Carolina, I promise you, it will be because we dwell in the presence of God and the presence of God is noticeable. You want to change your family? You want to change that daughter that you have no idea how God's going to intervene? You want to change your husband? You want to change your wife? Let me tell you how to do it. You dwell in the presence of God because where God shows up, it is noticeable. And everywhere he goes, everything changes. When the presence of God shows up, the atmosphere has to be different. There's power in this presence. There's power in this God that we worship. There's power in this. If we're going to change our community, if we're going to change our families, we're not going to do it with good praise team songs. We're going to do it with lives that are set on fire. Because I know they tell you that you cannot bring your Bible into your schools, but there's something about the presence of God that has no boundaries. And when God walks in with you, everybody notices that he's been there. Do we desire God more than we desire anything? God, let me be known for somebody who carries the presence more than I carry a good sermon. God, let me be known as somebody who carries your presence better than I carry a good song. God, let the mark of me be that everywhere I went, I had to share this love. A love that was so scandalous and powerful. A love that did not care of my past condition. A love that was so strong it walked inside of me and made me a Christian. And because of that, I have to tell everybody that I see about this Jesus. Jonathan, help me. I'm going to be done. When I was growing up in middle school, my parents, my parents both worked full-time jobs. My dad worked at a parts dealership. And my mom worked at a daycare, so I had to ride the school bus home, Pastor. And I would ride the school bus home because there's no way I was going to a daycare as a sixth grader. You imagine that? humor that would get made of me. Oh, you're going to the daycare in middle school? 
You're going to eat all the kids' goldfishes, ain't you? <laughs> so I would ride the school bus home, and I'd get home, and when I walked in the door at home, maybe, maybe somebody can remember, or maybe somebody's in school right now, you can relate. When I got out of school, I was always two things. I was always very sleepy. Anybody after school really tired? Yeah. And number two, you're not going to believe this, don't gasp for air, but I was always very hungry. Nobody looked shocked? Okay. So I would come home from school, and the first thing I would do, Pastor, I would look in the cabinets. And I would say, what is there to eat here? And I'd look in the cabinet, and we had peanut butter, and we had no bread. Looked in the refrigerator, there's no ham, there's no nothing, there's nothing to eat. Finally, I opened the freezer, and in the back of the freezer, there's a box of farm-rich cheese sticks. And I heard, oh, There was a pot of grease on the stove. I have no idea how old it was. I didn't ask questions. I was desperate. <laughs> so I turned on the pot of grease. Remember the first part of the story? I turned the grease on high. I walked into the living room, sat in the recliner. Remember the first part that I, after school, I was always very sleepy. I sit in the recliner and I fall asleep with the grease on high in the kitchen. I don't know how long I was asleep. All I know is when I woke up, there was black smoke blowing from the kitchen into my living room. Now my kitchen is on fire and my daddy is going to kill me. I get up and I run into the kitchen. I walk quickly into the kitchen and I'm, try <laughs> I'm trying my best to put the fire out and I don't know what else to do. That shouldn't have been that funny. I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, hey, how do I get this fire out? What do I do? So I take water and I throw it on this grease fire. And you're all gasping for air. Where were you that day when I was burning my parents' house down? And I remember, I remember my granny Faith. You ever been to PD Youth Camp? She worked the cafeteria line. You could only get three chicken tenders unless your grandma worked in the cafeteria line and she always gave me six because favor ain't fair. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I remember her telling me, baby, if there's ever a grease fire, you don't put water on it. You put salt, you put baking soda on the fire. So finally, I get the fire out. The, the pot is still blowing smoke. The fire's out. I'm walking down the steps with the pot of grease, down the back steps into the backyard. The grease spills and hits me on my finger. I drop the pot of grease. Now the backyard's on fire. I'm trying to stomp the fire to get it out. Here's the point of the story. I was six feet from the fire in the kitchen and I slept through it. And my concern is, and my heart is, hear me great church, that we come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Bible study after Bible study, prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and the fire is moving in the altar of God and we miss it. And if we're gonna make a difference, and if we're going to change our communities, it won't be because we speak good. It's going to be because the fire of God lives inside of us. You want to change your family? Don't miss the fire. You want to change your school? Don't miss the fire. You want to change your parents? Don't miss the fire.
You want to change your co-workers? Don't miss the fire because the fire is noticeable. You remember a couple of years ago in Pigeon Forge when the fire began to burn all of Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and they thought they would have it contained and the fire would jump the road and start burning more because true fire is uncontainable. It goes where they say it's not allowed. It crosses boundaries. It walks in places they say it can't be because there is power in this fire. There's power in this fire. Will you stand with me? I preached 27 minutes. That's way too long for me. God, I said what you told me to say. I did what you told me to do. Now, God, I'm going to ask you to do what you promised me you would do, that you were going to set people on fire in this room, that the next time they go back to work, this fire is going to be noticeable. They're going to smell like the smoke. They're going to talk different. They're going to act different. The baby they've been praying for for years is going to notice there's something different about mama, and they're going to be attracted to the fire, not because we had good church, but because this fire is noticeable. You say, Pastor Brad, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around, please. Hey, Pastor Brad, I want this fire that you're talking about. I want this fire for my family. I want this fire for my coworkers. I want this fire for my school. I want this fire. Can I see your hand right now? I want this fire. I see you. I see you. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 20, 25, 30. I believe the devil's getting nervous because there's a group of people in the North Walhalla Church of God that says, wait a minute, it's not business as usual. We want the fire of God. Here's what I want to do. At the count of three, if you lifted your hand or if you didn't, if you want this fire, Will you get to this altar quickly? Pastor, leadership team's gonna help me. God's gonna give you fire for living in this room. Are you ready? One, don't miss it, don't hesitate. Two, this is your moment. Three, if that's you, come right now. Come right now, come right now. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. World changers are moving. World changers are moving. World changers are moving. Community changers are moving. Yeah, yeah, there's preachers moving. There's Sunday school teachers moving. Everybody is on notice. There's power in this fire. When you get here, just lift your hands. Remember, we dwell in God. We dwell in God. Set a fire. That I can't contain. I want more of you. I want more of you, God. So much more. I want more of you. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. 
I want more of you, God. I want more of you. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more of you. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more. I want more. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. I can't contain that I can't control. 
I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. You set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. 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 I want more of you. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more, I want more of you. I want more, I want more, I want more of you, God. I want more, I want It's a beautiful thing to see young people seeking the presence of the Lord. Amen. When I came to North Walhalla, one of the things I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me was that we had to be intentional with our young people and to get younger because if not, in time, we would die out. Those who have done the great work in the past, some of them were, even before I got here, were going on to their reward. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me that we had to reach this younger generation. So in our quarterly meetings, you see us, this was not a design college of career youth service, Brad's launching a church, but each corner we're, we're doing these youth services. 
February the 4th, Pastor Russell's got a youth service. We've got a college and career service. That's intentional to get our young people in the altar that the Holy Ghost can manifest in their life. Amen? We have to be intentional. And the church has to make room for that. If not, we will lose them. We'll lose them. And then we'll look back and say, where are our children? Where are our grandchildren? Preacher, you've got to do something. No, no, not preacher. Not preacher. That's not my job. We have to make room so that these young people can get in this altar. And you're doing that. You have done that, and you're doing that. And it's not just college and career youth. It's our kids as well. And if we'll continue to do that, we're going to raise up another generation that knows the voice of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 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 If you guys can be seated just a moment. If you'll be seated, I want to receive an offering. Our ushers are coming, then we will close. I want us to be intentional with our giving tonight. This will be the last part of our service. Pastor Brad, if you want to, you can go to the front door so our people can greet you properly. Amen. Amen. We're so thankful that they're launching their church soon. They now have a building. He would already tell you that North Wahala is probably near the top of the list and blessing this church already, but we can do more for the kingdom. So tonight, anything not designated will go to plant this church. If you write on there, forward church, that'll go to them as well. Father, in Jesus' name, we are thankful that we can partner. Paul said to the church, every time I think about you, to the church at Philippi, he said, every time I think about you, I have to give God praise because you have been so good to me. I want that to be on the mind of this team, not just Brother Richardson, but his whole team, that when they think about this church, they can say North Walhalla was a blessing. So Father, we bless them now as they launch this church in Jesus' name, amen.
Let me just plug a couple announcements. We start a brand new series on the tabernacle, intimate worship this Wednesday night. February the 10th, our marriage conference, Bishop Dole and Sylvia Roberts will be with us. This is free. We're going to bless you with a gift, some gifts. Give a trip away again this year. We're excited about this, so please remember that. Next Sunday night, the 21st, will be our prayer service in here. It will be strategic, praying over specific things. Please stay, continue in our prayer initiative and get ready for the 21st service. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close tonight? Thank you for being a part of this service. I know it's been cold. Thank you for your faithfulness. What a beautiful crowd.